In the piece in Lakuti Taimim and Hogim Alagodesh of Pesach, on the piece Moitzi Matzah, on the piece Matzah, the Rebbe tries to explain over there that uh, the Chiddush of Matzah on the night of Pesach is, the Rebbe says, V'chiddush HaKosuv B'Leile Pesach, so although you always have to eat pas, so what's the chiddush that you have to eat on the night of Pesach, you have to eat matzah. The Rebbe says, but uh, then the Rebbe goes on, any yitzah be matzah shira, or b'chalal, uh, whether there's a chiv min on on yontav, mashenkin, on leil Pesach. But um there's also another chiddush over here, uh, with regards to matzah, on the night of Pesach, that it has to be eaten dafke at night time, as we, uh, just like the Arba Koises Fakir, the Arba Koises we learn out from Matzah, so while other Yomim Toivim, a person is allowed to be Moisif Mechoyl Ala Koidish. So, um, therefore, there is a Chiddush that also on Matzah, uh, that you are able to do, um, um, that you have to do it at night time, you have to do it by Lailo, Dafke, Matzah, Zemroidim, Yechlua, that it has to be, uh, all Ela Balaila has to be done only at night time. And we can say that the reason the Rebbe doesn't say that because since this would also be apply to um, to Sukkot and, uh, and 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 Shavuos, um, not Sukkot, Sukkot is anyways, but Shavuos because by Shavuos we also have um, the Tisbro Hamishim Yoyim, so you can't make Kiddush early, but. Um, and that would go into the question whether the Chamishim Yoim, you need the Tmimis, the Shleimis, whether that would be Midaraisa, uh, Bizman Hazeh. Reif Deus is that Bizman Hazeh, Sfiris Emer, is not, is not Minatoira, I believe. And uh, therefore, I mean, I'll have a that, I believe that. So, even on Sukkis, even on Shavuos, Minatoira, uh, he could be, technically be Moisim Mechayil Akhoidish. Uh, even if we say that the union of Tamimis is, is an union of Minatoira, and that's why you cannot eat the pas, you cannot be Mesim Mechel HaKadosh when it comes to the first night of Shavuos. So maybe that's why the Rebbe didn't bring that down, because then it would be B'Shar Yom Tov, not all Yom Tov, because in Shavuos too. Um, so if we're talking about, uh, then it would be only with regards to the Chayr to Rosh Hashanah. Um, and um, or in Chutzlar, it's in the uh, second day Yontif, but um, second day Yontif in. Uh, but still, we could add this Indian that on the night of Pesach, uh, there's a Chiddush that the matzah has to be eaten dafke at night time, dafke balaylo, mitzad chiv haposuk. Uh, you know, the Gabi Sfiris Oimer, you can say what happens if he didn't, he wasn't Shlemis by him, if he didn't count, I mean, you get involved. To know that Minat we should say that the one has to cannot make Kiddush beforehand. Bisman Hazem, I think that's not really, but um, but still um, he could bring it down um, as another Kiddush of Matzah Bisman Hazem. Okay, we'll just go through um, before Pesach. Okay, we'll start with before Pesach. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're at, So what is Chametz? We know on chametz one may not possess and not eat or not even benefit from chametz at all during the Passover holiday, mm-hmm. right? So what is chametz? 
any leavened product containing wheat, barley, oats, rye, or spelt. You see how many types there are here? These are five. Wheat, barley, oats, rye, and spelt is considered chametz. We have to make a distinction between real chametz and then there is additional things, like you were saying, additional things. But the basis for chametz, strictly from the Torah, it only applies to these five grains. Wheat, barley, oats, rye, or spelt is considered chametz and is forbidden on Passover. So anything that, any leavened product, you know what means leavened? From the bread rises. Yeah. So if it's been leavened, in other words, it's been the, it's, it's rose, that is, now if you don't, if it doesn't leaven, like matzah, for example, matzah is, comes from wheat, right? But that's okay, because it's not leavened. So it's not just the item from there, but if it leavened, and it's very the thing is, unless you specifically bake the matzah in the very specific way, the way it's baked, it will leaven because it naturally it, it rises, you know. And if you don't watch it and you don't take specific care to make matzah, then it will leaven and it will become chametz. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is, if you don't have specifically matzah, it is leavened, then it's assumed that it's chametz. Like anything. That comes from these from these types okay. of 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 of, uh, of wheat of, uh, of of any of these grains that were mentioned here. Now, it says like this: that clear your home of all chametz. So before Pesach, you have to clear all chametz. Now, where do you have chametz? Now, of course, you know you have you know you have Cheerios boxes, you know that come, and you have. Uh, cookies and crackers and you know all kinds. Those are all chametz because they're chametz, right? Vodka's chametz too because that's usually there is exceptions now. They make it out of not of one of the grains. There is they have kosher pesach everything today. I mean prepared right. for Passover. Well, they find it on what potato vodka would be fine. Yeah, well, but when you just buy, you know, you should not really use on Passover anything without a specific hexer, without a specific certification. For Passover, because the issues here, even a little bit of uh, of, uh, of chometz, can cause the whole thing to become, um, um, uh, you know, chometzik. So you know, you should really be uh, very careful on um, using anything without a certification, even if it says potato or things like that. You should still not use it unless it has a hexer specifically prepared for Passover. Now, it says, clear your home of all chametz, empty pockets, and vacuum cleaner bags. That's, you know, because when people vacuum up before Passover, they forgot, they forget that they have, the chametz is still in their possessions, in that bag. And even replace pet food if necessary, because a lot of the pet food is not Passover, uh, not kosher for Passover. Now, if it's chametz, and your pet is eating it, are you eating it? Why is it prohibited? Because you can't possess it, and you're also not allowed to benefit from it. You're benefiting because you have to feed your pet. You are. You want to feed your pet, so you're enjoying chametz by having the pet eat your food, right? 
eat okay. the food that so you don't want to even the pet to eat the chametz. So it's not just one of those cases where you're putting a fence around the actual rule by not possessing like the, the rule itself. This is from the Torah. This would be a prohibitive for the Torah because because if it is chametz now the I'm not sure whether the food item that uh, that you're feeding the feed that you're feeding the birds really qualifies as chametz of the Torah. Because if it's a mixture or it's not fit for human consumption, it's not, it's been degraded or it's maybe not really leavened, you know, there could be a lot of things, you know, that would not make it uh, considered to be biblically chametz, you know. Mm-hmm. But if it is chametz, then you can't benefit. The, the Torah prohibits to benefit or to possess chametz. Mm-hmm. The only question is, some of these items that you are, uh, we're telling you to get rid of, may not qualify as 100% chametz of right. the Torah. They may not be certified chametz. <laughs> so that, that the Torah says you can't possess it or benefit from that's it. That's correct. It doesn't just say you can't eat it. That's correct, exactly. That's exactly correct. Okay. That's exactly right. Um, now, you'll use uh, separate sets of dishes for Passover. Um, again, dishes that you use all year round, even if you clean them very well, so that they don't have any chametz visible, no particle of chametz is there. We do say that the um, uh, walls of the plates and the pots, they absorb from the chametz or from the food that they contained uh, when they they were hot in, in in them. So if you place something hot, either in a pot or in a plate, mm-hmm. it absorbs. The walls absorb. So a pot or dishes that were used for the week for the chametz has in its walls some chametz. If you're going to put something hot a hot dish of Passover on that same plate, you're going to be taking out for a little bit of that absorption that was absorbed inside it, and that's going to go right into your Passover dishes, right. so what you have. And then you would be having a little bit, even a minuscule. See, the thinking about Passover, why it's become so difficult, and it's um, very important to be careful, because most prohibitions of the Torah do become nullified. What means to become nullified, they, if you have like a majority, or you have 60 times as much, and the various situations, then that would become nullified, and we would say, you know what, it no longer is effective, because that's so minute, it cannot really uh, impact something against the majority or against 60 times as much. Mm-hmm. If you have 60 times as much, this is so little that this has really of no sense bearing. Torah, by Chomez, the Torah has prohibited even a drop on Passover itself. Even any minute part already immediately impacts that it makes the mixture into... Uh, Why does this distinction exist? Th- because we learn it out from the Torah that on Passover, any amount will not become uh, uh, a bottle. Uh, why is it, what's the psychological? 
reason behind it. I mean, we can give a lot of different ideas. You know, one idea of Passover, of matzah, the difference between uh, uh, chometz and, and matzah is chometz rises. It, it, that represents one's sense of self, uh, haughtiness, arrogance, you know, self-aggrandization, you know, mm-hmm. that is like boasting of yourself, you know, you're fluffy, you know, you're rising, you're leavened, you know, you're becoming a uh, that matzah, on the other hand, is patted down. It's it's humble. It's humility. Mm-hmm. Once a year, I guess you know when we try to celebrate our freedom, we got to put our own self aside and and really become humbled before God and recognize God's role in our lives. So, like we say, the ego is to exit God out, but to have matzah means to have God in. You know, to bring God into ourselves. Any little bit of even a drop of chometz can spoil the whole thing. Okay. Also, rising elements a lot of times can cause other things to rise, but nevertheless, we're not here right now to explain why the Torah prohibited it, but the mm-hmm. bottom line is, the Torah exactly, this is, again, this is not from the sages, this is from the Torah the Torah prohibited even a drop of chametz. Okay. And therefore um, so the dishes need to be changed and you have to have new dishes for uh, for Passover. Does that say it somewhere here, or should it? Should yeah, no, it says right here. It says you'll use separate sets of dishes for Passover. Oh yeah. yeah. Now it says to so gather all your chametz dishes and store them in the chest as in, in the closet as well. Mm-hmm. So you got to put them all away. Now, if you don't want to spend money on dishes and things like that, that's very expensive. You can use paper plates. Mm-hmm. They're not chametz stick. You can use paper plates, you can use paper dishes. Pots and pans is a different story. You might need a few pots and pans for... Now, pots and pans could be koshered. It's not It's not like it can't be koshered. You could kosher pots and pans. It's a trouble. To kosher is, is always a job. Most people, today especially, uh, nowadays, when people are a little bit more affluent, they have two separate sets of dishes and when it comes to Passover they take out the other set of dishes and then they put it away for Passover and they don't use it for the entire year and they just use those dishes and those uh, pots and pans that are designated for for Passover but one can kosher the uh, pots and pans and one can use paper plates so it's not what's so what's that difficult. process like for koshering pots and pans? okay so that that basically uh, pots and pans, um, depending on their use, if you use them, a pot which is used, the uh, the general rule is, is that's the Hebrew word, it means the way it's used and on the same way it absorbed, that's the same way it's going to unload from, it's going to like it's swallowed, it'll spit out. Which means, basically, if a pot which is used with water on the stove, that you cook soup, you cook chamasika soup, you cook noodles and everything else in it. So we said before that when you cook in it, there's something of the mixture that the taste of the mixture is absorbed inside the walls. Right? And then we say that it, that that mixture will come out. So, if the 
absorption, if it's absorbed into the wall by cooking, because you use water in it, so the same thing is, in order to kosher it, you'd have to fill it up with water, with plain water, and let it boil. That boil will take out the heat of that boil, which is the same level of heat that was there when it entered the walls. So it entered it because we're talking about a pot on the fire, which boils. So we're saying to you, I mean, the highest level of heat is the boiling point. Mm -hmm. So we say that if you're going to put in a pot of water and boil it, that's going to take out the, whatever the taste that it absorbed, is going to take it out and it's going to go into the boiling water. Now since the boiling water is going to be so much more, everything that's in the walls is going to be nullified inside the water. Mm-hmm. So the way the kosher, a pot, a pan would be, you fill up the entire pot with water to the top, and you let it boil over, so then all surface of the pot, whatever it absorbed, is going to come out inside of the inside of the water. And how long do you boil it for? It doesn't take it. As soon as it hits a boiling point, that's that's fine. And for pans also? Because pans oh, I see. Pans? Okay, I'm going to tell you about pans in one second. Okay. Now, uh, but an easier way, instead of taking each individual pot and boiling it, if you have a large pot, or in some communities, they have a huge pot, and they make a huge fire, and the water boils, and what you do is you stick in, you immerse the other pot inside of the water, mm. so that that boiling hits the this pot, it gets koshered, and then you take it out and you rinse it off with cold water. So, like, if you were going to kosher uh, spoons and forks, metal ones, you know, they can be koshered, mm-hmm. knives, you have to be very careful, because knives are difficult sometimes. First of all, the where they're... Where they're uh, in the uh, the point where it's segregated, there could be like little uh, teeth over there, which are hard to clean well. And also in the place where the wood handle touches the blade, there's sometimes chometz or gets in there, schmutz gets in there, that it's hard to really clean. And then you would probably need to uh, put some fire over there. I'll talk about the fire in a minute. Okay. But the uh, the uh, the point that I just want to finish is that the item, the pot that has gotten the chametz by being cooked in it, it'll also come out by the water that you'll boil, but you have to boil over the whole pot so that every part of the surface has the water touching. So the way people will do it is, if you're just crushing a pot, is you fill up the pot till the water, and then if you drop in a boiling hot stone in it that you put on the fire, that will cause it to boil over on its sides, then you have a kosher uh, pot. And then the dishes, and then the dishes, what you'll do is, you can take the dishes and just immerse them in there. Now you have to be careful if you're putting, because the water has to touch every part of the spoon, every part of the fork, right? Provided that you can clean them. But you can only kosher them if they're absolutely clean. Because what you're doing is here is, you're just taking out the taste. The taste is a non- particle, it's a non-visible, it's a taste that you're taking out, you're not taking out any if you don't clean it well, if it's not absolutely clean, then what you're doing is you're being boiling chametz because if that particle is chametz then you're boiling that chametz again and that, that, that taste is going right back into the into, into the spoon or the pot or whatever, whatever you're trying to achieve, so what you want to make sure is it's absolutely clean and after it's absolutely clean, 
then you want to kosher it because those items go into water are kosher by water. What were you going to say? Um, so for a pot to be kosher, the water has to go everywhere on the outside also? like No, side? no. And the way it's used. Okay. So only on the inside. I said no inside. But I said to have it flow over because that way you're going to get it all the way to the top. Right. Okay. To make sure. Even the rim, everything, the whole ledge, everything is going to be covered. Okay. Now, yeah, what about a frying pan? So in a frying pan, there's actually various opinions about it because what do we look, the oil, is that considered a liquid? Now, I just wanted to say this. We, we follow the use, the main use. Like if you have a pot of soup, let's say, or a pot of cooked noodles, occasionally you'll burn the pot, right? Mm-hmm. And if you burn the pot, it actually sticks to the pot without any liquid. That doesn't matter. We, we go by the majority of its use. If it's used in, through water, then you don't have to go and say, well, this time it burnt, and therefore it went, the chametz went, the noodles burnt to the bottom of the pot, mm-hmm. and then you had fire underneath it. Between the noodles and the pot, there was no water over there, because the noodle burnt to the bottom of the pot. And therefore, how could you kosher it just with water, we don't say that. We go by the majority, by Reis Tashmishe, we go by the majority of its use. If the majority of the use is water, then it's you kosher with water, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is, that, that's kosher. But when it comes to oil, with regards to the frying pan, over there there's a question whether oil constitutes a liquid, because oil is not a lot, people don't put a lot of oil, people just put a little bit of oil on the... Uh, on the bottom of the frying pan. And therefore, we should treat it, uh, according to halacha, the way it's ruled, especially on Pesach, you know, but we should treat it as if it absorbed directly from the fire. Not through. So, which means, you know, they have today, we can talk about an oven, but right now we're talking about the stovetop. Yeah. Sometimes they bake cakes on the stovetops. I don't know if you're seeing how they make a cake. But how is a cake baked? Or it doesn't matter. Inside the stove or outside the stove. But they have sometimes a cake they bake on the stove also in such a kind of a pot. But the bottom line is, when you bake a cake, you don't bake it in water. You bake the cake, actually the cake bakes. The fire on the outside heats up so that the chametz, the cake, the, 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 the grain that's in there, goes into the pot, not by means of water, but it goes directly into the pot through the heat of the fire. So when you're baking, any time when you're baking, when you're baking, you put things in the oven, or on top of the stove, it doesn't make a difference. So over there, the pans, and those items that receive the uh, chometz, absorbs, they absorb the taste of the chometz, not through liquid, but their most of their use is that they use, that they absorb it directly from the fire. Mm-hmm. Then that's the only way to be kosher, it is by fire. So you can't kosher it by putting it into a water, because that is the rule I said before, as it is absorbed, so it goes out. In the Pasuk, in the verse, this is from the Torah, it says, whatever comes through water, goes out through water. It goes through fire. What goes through water is water, fire, fire. Each one needs its own way of koshering. So therefore... How do you kosher that? You kosher that by 
putting fire to it. So, uh, say like people have today, uh, practically speaking, they have uh, self-cleaning ovens. The self-cleaning oven goes up to such a high temperature that that burns everything out. And that's how it cleans it. So that already reaches the level of that already reaches the level of of koshering. This girl who is less right. religious, and I want to take her to Moshe right. Schwartz. Um, as it turns out, she, well, she's in Harvard Dental School, and they have. Um, sorry, can I take this actually? Sure. Sorry, one second. Hello. Chametz uh, for sale. Since I'm doing a left-hand column, since it is prohibited to eat or even own chametz, eat or own, so maybe you can't own chametz during the eight days of Passover, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one way is to get rid of the the chametz, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of chametz that you can't get rid of. Maybe you know people have. You know, uh, people used to have businesses. They used to own vodka that was chametz, right? Oh, true. Like if you own a bakery, what do you, you do? own a bakery? What do you do? I mean, okay, well, the bread hopefully you sell. You don't keep it; it goes away anyways. But it's true. But cleaning out the whole bakery would be. Yeah. Okay, but that's okay. That that, that but that's a minor problem. I mean, that's a problem. But a minor problem. But what happens? A person can't sell all the stock of of uh, you know they have uh, you know crackers. They packaged. Billions of boxes of crackers and cookies, and you know, uh, what do you do without with those things? I mean, if, what happens if you if you're a business and you own them, or even if you're a house, you know, you're gonna get rid of. You know, we have a lot of possessions of chametz in our homes, right? You know that we that we own. So, so we temporarily sell our chametz to a non-Jew. We give it over to a non-Jew. Okay. There's a way of doing now. People think, oh, it's like a, some sort of a a prayer over there. It's not a prayer. This is a legally binding sale in both Jewish and civil law. Okay? And we let the experts handle it. So when a person comes, say to the rabbi to me, and gives me their chometz to sell, what I do is I pass it along as an agent of the people to one other rabbi who exactly makes the deal with the non-Jew and makes sure that all the legalities over there are Done because it's 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 very important that everything is done legally, exactly. But there's no guarantee in that case that you will get the stuff back, because if it's a real contract and you're really giving over ownership, like can you stipulate in advance that? No, absolutely not. But there is an incentive at the end of the day. There is an incentive at the end of the day because the guy we sell it to, I mean. we, we could be pretty comfortable. He could buy it if he wants, but, you know, he'd have to want to deal with thousands of cases of crackers and with bottles of mashki in everybody's house, and he'd have to pay for it because the guy, at the end of the day, doesn't pay cash for all this. What happens is you put it up as a loan. I mean, you know, he buys, there's a guy who buys hummus from all the uh, Jewish community, and it's a lot, it's worth, it's worth a million dollars. The guy doesn't have no million dollars. So he doesn't give a million dollars to actually purchase all the chametz. He doesn't have that money. Mm-hmm. So what he does is you make it into a loan, right? So now after Pesach, he can either pay up the loan, or he can want to buy it back. 
So he can't just purchase it for, say, a dollar? Like, it has to be worth... It has to be a real sale. It has to be in the value of what it is. But we're not selling it for a dollar. Because if you sold it for him for a dollar, then the guy will actually take it and he'll actually walk away with it. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be his. Because it's not going to be his. But in I don't know how many people put up a fight then. In your <laughs> case, he still though has the actual option of paying the million dollars at the end of Pesach as paying off that loan, right? Absolutely. But that's just not practical. They always give it back. They give it back because why would they want it? You know, especially you make it for them. You make it profitable for them. You give them for their trouble and everything else. So he says, look, you know, I'll buy and it And you back. have to physically transfer possession or you can just like hand no, over... No, there are ways of selling. I don't know. You don't physically... No, that's the whole key. I mean, if we needed to physically go and remove... In the olden days, they would do that. They would physically remove it, but it's just too much to move stuff. So you're saying, we like, if I sell the vodka in my house, I can keep it in my house? It stays in your house, locked up in a special room or a special cabinet, and then you sell that cabinet together with the place, with together with that cabinet where it's lying on, and you sell that to the place, you sell that to the, to the non-Jew. Oh, okay. You don't have to physically move it out of the house, you know, then... Be a lot of uh, truckloads going down to uh, right. to the guy to to move it out. It's it's practically impossible. Okay. But for the purpose of the sale, if you sell or rent, you know, it's not necessarily sell. If you rent your space in your house, if you have a house and you have one room in there, and you rent it out to a to a non-Jew, he can have all the chametz he wants over there. So when we sell the chametz, we're also renting him the space where the chametz is laying. Said sell rent, but this is different ways of doing it. But you rented the space so that the guy actually owns a piece of or rents a piece of space in your home, mm-hmm. and the chametz is his chametz in his space. But it can be just a cabinet; it doesn't have to be a whole room. That's right. It can be just a cabinet also. Yeah, but you can rent them. You have a right to rent the guy. Uh, you can rent anybody. You say, look, this cabinet is yours, and you lock it. That's why you tape it up. And you distinguish clearly your market. Now, some people will put the chametz sale where they place it, or they will say any place in my house where I designate it for it. And then, if he comes around and he wants the chametz, you can go ahead and take it. That's his. Plus, the space is rented to him also. Hmm. And the sale is done through means that help, that are really means of helping of acquiring things from the uh, from the Torah. The, the goyes usually do this for profit or just out of goodwill. Well, they, they usually you do a guy that you know, that you recognize, you've done business before. It's not you're going to go start looking for a guy every year, a new one, to try to explain them the procedure. And, you know, probably the first time around, probably be a little suspicious of what's going on. So you've got to be somebody you know. And, uh, and, um, and number two, um, he does make a profit at the end. He's, he's very happy at the end. But... It's incumbent upon the rabbi and upon the guy to understand that this is not a joke. That this is not just, uh, you know, trying to um, uh, make some trick over here. This is real things. You're actually selling the chametz. Uh, that's called, okay, so then it says here, fill out the enclosed form called Mechirat Chametz, sale of chametz. A legal document that authorizes your rabbi to transfer the ownership of your chametz for the duration of Passover. He will buy it back, the rabbi buys it back for you after the holiday is over. This is the form? Yeah, there's a form, and there's the form in there, yeah. 
In that envelope, there's the form. Okay. Okay. Now, what is kosher for Passover? Okay, we know what's chametz, right? So let's read the next over here. Okay, he says, "Hit the aisles. Any processed food you eat on Passover. Same thing is true for all year round. Needs kosher supervision." Today, that's no big deal. The supermarkets are filled with kosher for Passover products, fruits, vegetables, and most things raw and unprocessed are kosher for Passover. You don't need to. Apples don't need to be kosher for Passover. Mm-hmm. Nothing has been done. If it's raw, it doesn't need to be kosher for Passover. Now what about beans and legumes, as it says, asked the rabbi? <laughs> okay, so beans and legumes really depends on the tradition. Sephardic tradition is to use beans and legumes on uh, Passover and Ashkenazi, no. So, the prevalent in majority of communities in America is Ashkenazi. There is a lot of sexual Sephardi, so there's two customs. Um, and um, one way to do th- this is to go healthy for eight days and cook everything from scratch. So some people don't eat any processed food. Basically, the only processed food they'll eat is the matzah. Because they don't make their own matzah. But other than that, they'll eat potatoes, and potatoes, and potatoes. How many ways can you make potatoes? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's really, that's, that, that, that's what it is. Okay? Oh, sorry, that just reminds me. Yeah. Uh, about the potatoes. Potatoes you would do in a frying pan. So you said you have to... How do you immerse a frying pan in fire, though, to okay. it? All right, so what possible? you could do is... Yeah, without, without ordering it. Now, the pan goes on your frying pan. Uh, if it's made with Teflon or things, you know, you can't put fire on it, you know, I don't know what kind of back. If it's a real metal, old-fashioned kind of metal, you can just turn it over on the fire. Turn it over this way and let it boil through and you'll be on the fire, that'll be fine. Okay, stay for a few minutes. Yeah, or... yeah. But, you know, maybe... I don't know, again, I don't know to what level. If it's just for you, I don't know, maybe you should just go out and invest in two pots or something. You know, yeah. just, and just do something for Passover, okay? I mean, for and then keep it for Passover. Okay. Now, then we go to the uh, search for Hametz we have. Okay. Um, uh so on the night before Passover, I'm now on page 5, right? Yep. On the night before Passover begins, we perform a formal search of the house for chametz. Now, the house is being cleaned thoroughly beforehand. In other words, you want to make sure there's no crackers, there's no cake, there is no other stuff. You know, maybe you take it up to your bedroom before you go to sleep. Maybe you uh, take it in the uh, TV room. You know, you have your snack over there, maybe you left something over there, and even if you keep it clean, you never know what goes between the pillows and what goes in. You don't want to possess any chametz over there on Pez. You want to get rid of anything. Yeah. Oh. Do you actually have leftover chametz that you hide around the yeah. pillows? So, because you won't actually find something over there, there's reasons for that. He says, um, so, um, we perform a performance of the house of chametz, we tightly roll 10 pieces of chametz into paper wrappings and hide them around the house. Make sure you keep a list. In other words, you don't want to lose one of those. But Traditionally, a candle is used uh, to light the way and spoon as a uh, shovel, a feather as a broom. <laughs> and a paper bag as a paper bag 
are used to collect any chametz found. And then you say the blessing because, you know, things have changed a lot from the time they instituted it. People had one home, one room, uh, half a room. But today, you know, people live like kings. You know, everything is relative. So, then, all right, we're going to go in for Mecha and then we'll continue, okay?